I don't know whether you've ever heard a message preached on a parable in the book of Proverbs, but there is a very distinct parable at the end of chapter 24, which I'm drawn to tonight, verse 30 down to 34. My title is The Neglected Soul. You each have a soul, I have a soul. We're not just physical, we are spiritual. And it's the soul that means we're not just what you can see, we are far, far more than that. We are spiritual. We may have a dead soul, but we're still spiritual. So it seems to me that this parable is speaking about your soul and my soul. It's a description of all those that have a soul, but yet their soul up until tonight has been neglected. It's not been looked after. It's not been cared for. It's been left to rack and ruin. It has so much potential, and yet that's not what we read here. We usually think of parables as being in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but here is a parable written by Solomon, we assume, in the book of Proverbs. I went by the field. Solomon, he goes and he makes an inspection, and he sees a field. Well, first of all, in verse 30, it might be a field, it might be a separate vineyard, or it might be the same field that has a vineyard in it. It doesn't much matter. The picture is of your soul. The field, the vineyard has been given to you. We can imagine that it was handed down by a kind father, and you as the son or the daughter you have the opportunity to do something with it. But you've made a choice to do nothing with it. There is the field, so much potential, and yet it's just been left, dormant, dead, not really functioning as it should be. I went by the field of the slothful, the lazy, the sluggard, so we have this field as a picture of your soul. What will you do with your soul? Will you leave it dormant? Will you leave it to have no fruit, no cultivation, no vegetables, no flowers, no fruit to grow within it? Some of you here tonight, like me, you are gardeners. Some of you here tonight are farmers. You know the picture? Imagine you did nothing, just nothing, with what you've been given. What would happen to it? Not sowing, not plowing, not reaping, not weeding, not putting up a boundary. You just do nothing with what you've been given by your gracious Father your heavenly Father, that gives you a soul. The Lord Jesus Christ, he spoke, for what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Your soul, 
is the very most valuable thing you have. Forget your bank account. I don't think we do, but we might have somebody here tonight. When you add up the value of your assets, properties, bank accounts, savings, shares, ISAs, it comes to many, many millions. I don't think that's the case for many tonight. But your soul is so much more precious and you shouldn't exchange it for anything. Your soul never dies. You die, your body dies, your body will be eaten by worms or maybe burned in a crematorium, but your soul lives forever. One day that soul will appear before God and there will be an inspection. We'll come to that later. There will be one that comes and draws by and says, what have you done with your soul all these years that you've been given it? So there is a field, a vineyard, which is a picture of your soul. What can we say about this? What potential? We don't know how big it was, but it was big enough to have a vineyard laid out. Maybe it was planted by the kindness of your father, the one that gave it to you, all laid out in rows. A vineyard takes a long time to grow. Did you know a vine can bear fruit that's edible for 400 years? It's not like a crop that you plant and that's it. One season it's gone. A vineyard. It has the potential for value for years and years to come. The crop can be sold, it can be nurtured, it can be obviously used to make wine and grape juice. It has great value, great potential. And it's a place for fruitfulness. You go to a vineyard, you see the flower, you see the grape, you see the beauty of it. It can be amazingly fruitful. One vine spread out many, many meters long. The amount of fruit that can be borne. Think of those that went to spy out the land of Canaan. They came back with branches bearing the fruit that needed a pole to carry it with two men. Oh, fruit, so prolific. Do you know that's what my life should be like? But it isn't. What faint return have I given to my Heavenly Father? And what about your life? What fruit have you given to Him? It should be a place of beauty. You go to a lovely garden, a National Trust property or English heritage and you see everything neatly set out, the colours coordinated, you see the seasons come, the seasons go, and it's a place of beauty. Is that what your soul is like? A place of potential, a place of fruitfulness, a place of beauty, but it needs to be tended and cared for. It's not set out as a place of beauty unless there's somebody looking after it, taking out the weeds, sowing in the right season, 
putting the fertilizer on when it needs it. Look what happens here, our second heading. A beautiful, beautiful field or vineyard. But, but, it was all grown over. Oh, what a tragedy. This is known as the parable of the sluggard. I love that word. It's an onomatopoeia. It sounds like what it is, a sluggard. Somebody that's so lazy, can't get out of bed in the morning until lunchtime. A sluggard. Not a slug, although it does sound a bit like one of those creatures. A sluggard. Slothful. A sloth. Somebody that's lazy. Good for nothing. When the harvest comes, they're nowhere to be seen. When there's work to be done, they don't want to work in the vineyard. And by the vineyard of the man that was void of understanding. We get a picture here, not just of the field and the vineyard, but the person that owns it. There's the father. The father's died. Here's my inheritance, son. I'm going to die. The father duly dies, and now the son has done nothing. It's been given a wonderful opportunity. But this person is lazy, has no understanding at all. In the field and the vineyard, they have gone to rack and ruin. The man, let's suppose it's Solomon, comes and he does an inspection. He comes by, I went by the field and by the vineyard. I don't know if it's one or two. And he walks by and this is what he sees. He sees something which isn't the way it should be. Isn't the way it could have been. Isn't the way he wanted to see it. It's all grown over. The sluggard, the lazy one, has been sleeping. What a tragedy. This most precious piece of land, not everybody in those days had a land, and very few would have a vineyard, and yet this person had it all, and yet they've done nothing with it. This is a picture of you tonight. You have a soul. Every one of you that can hear me, you have a soul. God speaks to your soul. God cares for your soul. Unlike David the psalmist when he said, no man cares for my soul, Christ cares for your soul tonight. He's speaking to your soul. But this man has not listened. This man didn't think. This man was void of understanding as the inspection, the walk-by happens. He sees everything that shouldn't be. Maybe it was another farmer. Farmers like to look at other farmers' fields, don't they? Oh, he hasn't sown that one at the right time. That was ploughed on the wrong day. But it's obvious what this person has done. Nothing. Nothing. 
it was all grown over with thorns and thistles. Instead of nectarines, there was nettles. Instead of grapes, there was briars, thorns, everything that shouldn't be there. What a waste. What a tragedy. But you know, that's your life tonight. If you don't know Christ, you don't have a garden in your soul. You have a jungle. You have briars. You have the bad habits of sin with the roots that have dug in and got deeper and deeper into the soil until it's almost impossible to get rid of them now. Oh, there would need to be something so radical if these weeds and these thorns and thistles were to be taken away. You don't have a relationship with Christ. You're not walking with him. You don't have fruit in your life of character. There isn't what God wants to see in the garden of your soul. It's the total opposite. The weeds have got in. The thistles have destroyed because the sluggard, the lazy person, didn't listen. The lazy person didn't care for spiritual things. The lazy person thought the here and the now would go on forever. And so the tragedy has happened. What a sad state. We see two things. Weeds after weeds. You know what happens to weeds? They grow and grow and grow where you don't want them to grow and they get worse and worse until they choke everything. The vine that was there was choked so it can't bear fruit. Weeds everywhere. That's sin, isn't it? That's what it does. Sin chokes out even the very best of what was there until there's nothing good left. But there's something else. At the end of verse 31 it says that the stone wall thereof was broken down. When the vineyard was given to the sun, there was a wonderful boundary. They had to have boundaries because foxes would get into the vines and they would eat at the roots. And there would be animals that would come in and they would cause great damage. And eventually, the stones, one by one, have fallen down. What does that mean? God has put within your heart and my heart boundaries, moral boundaries. He said, don't go over that one. Stay inside that one. And we've allowed the boundaries to fall down. We didn't much care for them in the first place. We wanted freedom. We wanted liberty. And now the boundaries that were designed to help us, to protect us, to preserve us from the enemy and from the wild animals, they've all fallen down. And now we're open to anything. Anything goes. Try this. Do that. If it feels good, do it. 
Go with friends that will lead you into bad company. Consume this. Use your body as you please. No boundary. The stone wall was broken down. God, in his mercy, said, Here are the boundaries. The boundaries have fallen to me in pleasant places. Boundaries that were good. They kept out what should be kept out. And they kept in what should be kept in. But no more. The boundaries just tumbled down. Well, the man comes and surveys. He says in verse 32, Then the inspector, I saw and I considered it well. I looked upon it and I saw a lesson. I saw the tragedy. I saw the damage that had been done. What had come into eye gate and into ear gate. All the things that I'd looked at and indulged with. And I could see what had happened here. The inspection went on. All God's rules thrown out. That's what happens in this nation, doesn't it? We've redefined gender, redefined marriage, redefined truth. No boundaries. And now look at us as a nation. Look at what's happened. Look at the lack of fruit. Look at the tragedy. This poor man that walks by the soul and the nation receives instruction. We have the words recorded in verse 33. This is what the owner of the land said. Oh, just, just a bit more sleep. Just another lion. Just a folding of the arms. I don't need to do anything with God. I don't need to think about my never-dying soul. I can just carry on. I've got by so far. Oh, I can get by from now on. But what happens, verse 34, here's a sadness. So shall thy poverty come. The years went by and there was still a few grapes to eat. There was still grain left for me to eat. But the time comes when there's nothing left. We're bankrupt. We've got nothing to eat, nothing worth living for. We've got no fruit in our life. We're just an empty field and we're just weeds. The inspector draws the conclusion. What sadness. Is this your life tonight? Would God be speaking to somebody tonight and say, this is your life, described in a picture, the garden of your soul, what could have been the beauty, the plenty, the fruit, the boundaries, the clarity of your life, and yet it's all gone. What could have been? What sadness. We'll come to a more positive note. But here's the twist, as there often is in a parable. Verse 34. It doesn't carry on like this. 
an armed man. I think that's Satan. Armed man, he comes, and what was left of the walls, he breaks down, and he demolishes everything before him, and he takes possession. It's like Diabolus. It's like the devil coming to occupy your soul. He says, this is mine, the armed man, and you can't defend yourself anymore. There's no conscience. There's no thought for God. Your understanding and your will and everything that did resist once now says, oh, come in. Thy want, thy lack, thy need is just like when an armed man, a robber, comes and breaks into your soul and he says, I will take charge now. I will be the occupier. Once you were the owner, no longer. I'm in charge. Isn't that us? Bunyan had it right, didn't he? In the holy war. He said, I will come in through every entrance of your life that I can. I'll come in through ear gate, eye gate, nose gate. I will come through every possibility. Sin will flood in to that life. You think you can live as you please, be lazy, have no thought for God. And now the robber comes in and he wants to take up occupation. Let's turn to something more positive. Does it have to be like this? Can I have fruit for God? Can I live my life as God would want me to have it? A beautiful garden, a fruitful place, a beautiful place, a place as God intended. Isn't this the picture that God would have us have of our life? Do you know somebody like this? A Christian person. And look at their life. They live it for God. There is fruitfulness. There is cultivation. There is abundance. Because God has taken up occupation. Can we draw on that analogy of the vine? Who is the vine? Christ is the vine, and we are the branches, but we need to be engrafted into the vine, and he will live in us and us in him, and then we will have fruit for the vine, for Christ. He comes to your life tonight, he inspects he looks, I can't see your life. I can't see what happens in secret. I can't see when you're being lazy and when you're not looking to God, but he can. I saw, I considered it well, says the inspector. I looked upon it and I received instruction. Would he not come to your life tonight? Would he not see what's very plain for him to see? That there is no fruit for God and that the weeds have taken over. What's your particular sin? What are the thorns and the nettles that have covered the whole face of the field so you can't even see the soil and the vine anymore? There's nothing to be seen 
but the nettles and the thorns. Your sin has got so bad. It's visible. What is it for you? Come to the Lord tonight. Repent of your sin. He will take up all the weeds. He will enable you to have a garden that's beautiful, a life that's for him. He will enable you to have fruit, the fruit of character, of kindness, of love, of mercy, of living a life as God would have it, ordered, pleasing, acceptable. Don't let the armed man come and occupy your life tonight. That's what Solomon's saying through this parable. The picture is so plain. Your field is a soul. Your soul never dies. Don't waste your opportunities. Come to him tonight. Repent of your sin. Turn to your maker. Or the robber, the armed man, that is far stronger than you are, will come and take up occupation. And he won't let go. If you entertain this armed man, if you allow him into your soul, he will get hold of you and he won't let go. But there is one more powerful than the armed man, even Jesus Christ, the one who's defeated all the enemies of your soul. And if you plead with him tonight, Prince Emmanuel will come, the one who never wanted to surrender to Diabolus, the one who would be to you what you need, a light life. He would be to you what you desperately need. Come to him tonight. Hear his gentle words pleading with your soul. He would be your king. He would be your deliverer. He would be your rescuer. And he would take up occupation in your soul. And he would engraft himself and yourself to be the branches in that vine which is Christ. I am the vine. You can be the branches. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, gracious God, we thank thee for this simple picture, this picture that even the children can understand tonight. We pray that our souls would not be bankrupt and empty and worthless and unproductive and unattractive, but that we would turn to Christ tonight, repenting of our sin. And that the weeds and the nettles and the thorns that have started to grow would be lifted up and that Christ would come and dwell with us and that we would live in him, that we would have a heart for God and we would live our lives no longer for self, no longer being unthoughtful of our soul but desiring that our soul would be a palace, that Christ would come and live with him. O oh Lord, cleanse us tonight. Give us a desire for Christ. And may we come to him and desire him this very night. 
We ask for Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.